Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. All right, thank you, video Aaron. We are very glad that you chose to move. Appreciate that. Uh, And thank you for sharing with us. Uh, For those of you guys who are just joining us for this very first time in our Summer Wise series, we are walking through the book of Proverbs and trying to ask the question, uh, how does it reveal how we can better live our lives in a wise and God-honoring manner? And today, we're talking about making decisions. So uh, here's what I want you to do right now. Uh, We're going to play a little bit of a game to get started today. Uh, And you're going to sort of play, you know, you can play by yourself or you can play with the person next to you if you feel comfortable. I want you to think, I'm going to ask you two questions and I want you to think really hard about the answer. Is there a decision that you readily make that you feel really good at? And is there one that you feel really bad at? So what decisions are you really, really good at? What decisions are you really bad at? You can talk with your neighbor, go ahead and let them know which one you're really good at. Let's start with that one first. For me, uh, I can look at any menu in the world and pick the best thing on it, all right? It is a skill that if you don't have it, you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's the sad thing. I can't brag to you. Like, if you're like, "Ah, I'll eat eat the chicken sandwich everywhere, that's just foolishness. That's not a proverb, but it's true. All right, so tell the person next to you. This requires a little bit of participation. Is there something you're good at? A regular decision that you make? Go ahead. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Talk out loud uh, with a human being, perhaps. Very nice. All right, so you got the one you're good at. All right, all right, bring it back. Or not. All right, now we're going to move on to the one that you think you're very bad at. I will tell you, uh, I very often, and I thought that I would grow out of it eventually, but it hasn't happened yet, I very often will purchase clothes at the store, get home and wash them once, and hate them completely. Uh, I am very bad at that part of making decisions. So tell your, tell your buddy what you are bad at in making decisions that you do regularly. Is there a decision you make all the time that you're just not so great at? What do you think? What do you think? Anything? Let's bring it back. Some research estimates that we make 35,000 decisions a day. Can you believe that? I don't think it's true. It's suspicious. All I have to do is just cite some research and it sounds very true, but this is a number that at least most of the internet believes is true. This is one of those freaky things about AI that like AI would read that 17 times because it was the first thing that popped up on Google and then be like, it must be true, but we can all question it. I don't know, like are you deciding to breathe? Is that what 35,000 is a day? Like I don't, you're only awake for what, 17 hours a day, something like that, and you gotta cram in 35,000 decisions? It does feel that way though, you know? Like it feels like you're making decisions all the time. And some of them are huge, some of them are like tiny, uh, some of them make huge impacts on the rest of your life. Uh, like choosing the right thing on a menu. I think that's very important to the rest of your life. And then other things are kind of small decisions, you know? Like you're just making these little micro decisions. Do I want cornflakes today? Do I want Cheerios? 
Uh, do I want to come to church today? Do I not? Maybe that's an important one. I don't know. You're making all these kind of minor decisions. If we are making 35,000 decisions a day, then you just made three decisions in the time that I have been talking about decisions. I imagine many of them, like 50-50, were like, yes, I should keep listening to him. No, I should start like putting together a mental grocery list. So uh, you're going to continue to make that decision throughout the rest of this time, actually. So uh, because of that, though, I think it's important that we actually ask ourselves the question of, like, how do we make decisions? And this is going to get a little bit sticky and weird, especially for the intuitive ones among you, uh, because I'm kind of asking you to think about thinking, right? Like, it's kind of like this is something that you do all the time, especially if it's true that you make 35000 a day. You're making decisions all the time. The question that I want to put before us all today is, have you ever really asked the question, like, am I making decisions God, the way that God wants me to make them? Am I actually taking the truth of Scripture and applying it to my life? And so today, what I want us to do is take the book of Proverbs and ask the question, does it have any advice, any guidance, any rules of life for us of how we ought to make decisions? And if so, how can we apply that to our life? Today, uh, the way that we're going to do that is through a fourfold process, um, and it's something that I've actually talked about a little bit before. Um, if you were here now a few years ago when we were going through Judges, remember when we used to meet in a movie theater? Does anybody remember this? That was a long time ago, right? Uh, we were going through Judges, and um, we talked about how to make decisions. We were looking at the story of Gideon. And uh, that very next week, I'm not going to tell you who it is because it'll be super embarrassing. I saw one of you jokers just make a terrible decision. Is that a, that's inappropriate to say as a pastor, right? No, I'm just saying, like, it was weird how, like, that very next week, we're, like, walking through life. Everybody in the room right now is, is it me? I'm seeing some of you that just started our church last week, and you're like, was it me? Oh, my gosh. No, I'm just kidding. This is all made up. But what's crazy is I talked a lot about, like, making decisions. Is there a wise way to do it? Is there not a wise way to do it? But I, I just, I get the sense that it didn't even sink in. And then I was, like, you know, kind of grumbling about that to myself. Like, what's going wrong? What's going wrong? And then, like, at the very end of that, week can I be honest that I like made a terrible snap decision like it was like even worse than my normal just sort of like buying clothes kind of thing so all that being said like what I want to do today is a little bit like like strange because it seems kind of formulaic but I want to actually offer to us and myself included maybe even the most so I want to offer to us an actual process that we can walk through and it's going to be a little bit of a formula. It's actually an acronym. I've never done an acronym before as a pastor. I am sorry about that for those of you that love acronyms. As a wise person, Bree Warner once said, I don't get much out of acronyms. Um, so uh, take that for a grain of salt. I'm kind of in that same boat, but I'm hopeful and prayerful that as silly and as kind of practical and mundane as this might seem, that we might actually all walk out of here today with a new way to make decisions, especially the big ones in our lives. So all you have to remember today is to play, mostly because tenoffel sounded like a weird word. So today the acronym is PLAY, P-L-A-Y. It's not because life is a game and we're all just rolling the dice, but it's because this acronym hopefully can help us to remember this as we start making decisions. So. 
Um, for those of you who are anti-acronym and maybe have a little bit of the ADHD going on, if you lose focus today and can't keep up with P-L-A-Y, we're going to be hitting a million Proverbs today. And as you've seen through these past few weeks in talking about Proverbs, Proverbs are sort of like poetry to chew on. And so what I am super excited about is that even if anybody gets lost, which is totally okay, it happens, there will at least be one proverb that I believe today can uh, grab your heart. Maybe you need to write it down. And maybe this is something that you need to chew on, that you need to wrestle with over the next week that will help you make better, more God-honoring decisions. And I believe that if we can do this, the world will actually be a better place for it, that your relationships will be better, your neighbors will live a better life because you make healthy and wise decisions. Your friends that seek out advice from you will actually live better and healthier lives because you know how to make a good decision. The possibilities and the impact of this are endless. So, here we go. Let's play. Ugh, gross. Uh, anyway, pause. That is the first letter. I just, yeah, sorry. Uh, pause. This is a really good thing. You should enjoy it. So pause is the first letter in play. The first step in making a wise decision is simply to pause. There are two reasons for this. One is very practical, and that is that when we make quick decisions, we very often make wrong decisions, all right? Now, um, we're not talking about sort of like simple decisions that you make every day. In fact, uh, in modern business, they talk about there's like a cost of making decisions, and if you deliberate for too long, then you're actually losing ground on it. But I'm talking about big and important decisions here. Before you make a big and important decision, you probably ought to take a second and pause. Here the Proverbs offer some classic words of wisdom. It says this, the plans of the diligent surely lead to or lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Obviously, that one is speaking mostly about finances, but it's more broadly true of people and of flourishing. I like this one even better. Proverbs 19.2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. I think basically what that one's trying to tell us is that wanting something without slowing down to really figure out what it's going to take is always going to lead to missteps. When we're making a big, huge decision, we need to very often pause, slow down, and take time uh, to really think this decision out. We learned this very seriously during the pandemic, right? Like, remember those very, very early days of the pandemic? It was just chaos. It was like, man, we've got to make all these decisions, and we've got to try it right now. That's why, like, everybody was mad at the government for some reason or another, and I was not mad at all. I was like, I don't, they got a lot of decisions to make. I can't really judge their decisions, right? Uh, but it was crazy, right? We're all just trying to make these crazy decisions. Are we going to shut down? Are we going to stay open? Are we going to wear masks? Are we going to stop licking each other? If that was something that you were doing. Uh, there was like real urgency, like we've got to decide all of these things in the next 30 seconds or we're all going to die. And I think it led to some bad decisions, actually. In fact, I think there was one decision particularly that has affected a lot of us in this room uh, that sort of our leaders thrust on us. I think you guys know what is talking about. They forced it on us against our will, and it was kind of a foolish and stupid decision. You guys know exactly what I mean. It's that weird handshake thing that you did with your foot. Did you guys ever do that, right? You guys thought I was talking about something else, didn't you? Ha-ha, I got you. The like, collective sigh in the room was like, oh, my gosh, I thought we were about to go there. What? That was about to get weird. No, do you remember this thing? Like, they legitimately for a week wanted us to shake hands with our feet like that. It never caught on. I saw some people, actually, that were kissing each other through a mask, which might be the only more foolish option uh, than shaking hands with your feet. It was crazy, right? And it's all because of this mad rush that we put on ourselves to make decisions. I believe, to get a little bit more serious, 
that even though we're sort of like past the like worst parts of those days, man, it feels like that has affected the way that we make decisions forever, that some of us are still living on this kind of like adrenaline rush, like this sort of like, you know, anxiety high in the way that we make decisions. And I don't want to get to be like some sort of like amateur YouTube, you know, psychologist or something like that on you. But the things that we like know about trauma and the way that it like affects our bodies and the way that like our environment and our past and all of these other things affect us, like it really should cause us to pause and ask, how is that affecting the way that we make decisions? Because you know when you've had something crazy happen to you and then you go to try and make a decision and all of a sudden something feels kind of similar to that situation or you're sort of like wondering, am I getting stuck in this loop? Am I doing this all over again? Man, it's going to change the way that you think and feel about that. And we can stay in the high adrenaline. We can stay in the fight or flight or freeze mode. We can just sort of stay and make all of our decisions out of that. Or we can actually take a second and pause, slow down, take a breather, actually assess where you are. It's astounding to me how many people that I talk to, and I'm sure I do this myself, but it's astounding how many people, maybe it's easier to hear in somebody else's voice than your own, it's astounding how many people will be in a state of like high anxiety, of high stress, of like problems going on in their life, and they'll make the biggest decision of their life, thinking that if they can make this decision, it'll be their pathway out of the stress. And I'm telling you right now that I think a little bit of slowing down to actually assess why this stress is occurring in your life will actually help you make better decisions. The second reason for the pause is actually to recenter on God. When you're in a bad spot, when you're unstable, when you're disconnected from God, it is not a good time to make a decision. In fact, I'm going to talk a lot about St. Ignatius uh, today, and he talks a lot about when is a healthy time and when is not a healthy time to make a decision. Uh, he wrote this whole spiritual process. He was the same. He actually started the Jesuits, if you're familiar with them any, at all. Uh, they actually started Regis University. So if you know about anybody from Regis, you can thank St. Iggy about that. Um, so uh, he was a really cool guy, and he made this like spiritual process for making decisions. I know that doesn't sound like a typical thing that you would do in a spiritual process, but he wrote it out so that people who were his you know, followers and disciples and stuff like that, they would know the best way that they might be able to do this. He said there are three times, and only three times when a correct and good decision about a way of life can be made. The first one is when God speaks in such a powerful way that you can't deny it. So think like a burning bush. You're just walking along in your life, and all of a sudden God is like, Moses, go back to Egypt, right? Like that's kind of like one of the options. Number two, when you are so attuned to the spiritual realities around you that you are able to discern the clear will of God. St. Iggy was big on this. Uh, he had these things called consolations and desolations, and it's all very kind of mystical and stuff like that. And I honestly think that it is difficult to be in this place perpetually, which is why he says this is sometimes a way that you can make a decision. And in fact, he was talking to people that were taking like a, a monastic, like a, an order to be a monk. So, I mean, these people are sort of already choosing to live in sort of like a different spiritual path than most of us, okay? So one and two is when God speaks in such a powerful way. Two is when you're attuned to the spiritual realities around you. The third, I think, is more of an option for us. This is what he says. He says, this is a time of tranquility. One considers first for what purpose man is born, that is, for the praise of God our Lord and the salvation of our soul. With the desire to attain this before his mind, he chooses as a means to this end a kind of life or state within the bounds of the church that will help 
in the service of his Lord and for the salvation of his soul. He reiterates, I said it is a time of tranquility. That is a time when the soul is not agitated by different spirits and has free and peaceful use of its natural powers. This is exactly why we must pause and refocus on God. If we want to make the correct and good and right decision, we need to actually make sure that we're focused on the one who is in charge of the entire universe and of our lives. If you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then this is a necessary step in actually saying, like, God, how am I doing? Am I actually in a place where I can hear from you? Am I in a, a tranquil place or am I in a stressful place? God, where am I? And we've all probably been that guy before that's made the decision out of anxiety, not out of tranquility, or out of stress, not out of tranquility. And you look back on your life and you go, hey, I probably should have healed from that breakup before I decided to move. Probably should have owned up to my mistakes before I just ended that friendship. Probably should have recognized that sin that was in my life before I changed that job. I probably should have recognized the way that I was frustrated with myself before I changed something fundamentally about my environment. We've all been there, right? That's exactly why we need to pause. Get your soul to a place where it is ready to hear from God. And if you want straight paths, if you want to like, know what God has for you, if you want to know where he's leading you, then you have to be relying on God to get there. Or, as our theme verse right back here says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. All right, so you've taken a second to pause. What's next? Listen. Listen. Take, talk it out with others. Proverbs is covered up with the admonition to seek wise counsel. It is foolish not to. Check it out. Here's just four, and I had three, but then I had to add in one more. I mean, there's seriously like hundreds of these throughout Proverbs. It is one of the main themes that you should not make decisions alone. Here's four. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment, Proverbs 18, 18. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice, Proverbs 12, 15. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed, Proverbs 15, 20, 22. Uh, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Counselors, professional counselors in the room, you guys should put this on your door, actually. I think that would be like a really good selling point, you know, like a, where there is an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Ooh, and counselors kind of love that too, right? Safety, they're big on that. So, as you can see, clearly Proverbs is calling us to listen to other people when we make decisions, right? But who do we listen to? I think that's really like the crucial question of this. So as you're making a decision, I think it's easy to say like, hey, we should listen. But the question then becomes, who do we listen to? So I have uh, collected three different people, the groups of people that you can actually listen to when you're making decisions. And they might be a little counterintuitive. Uh, I think we really, at least in my own life, man, I have this real problem of just listening to the person that is closest to me, right? You've got like this best friend. You're like, oh, I'll listen to him. Or you're like, man... I do this all the time. Like, when I, like, run into some sort of weird decision that I need to make, it's like the very next person that I see. I'm like, I'll trust your opinion on this. But that's kind of crazy, right? And it's kind of crazy how, like, you know, some of our friends, they're kind of they're goofballs, and yet we'll, like, trust them on anything, you know? 
like that guy that you're like, I'm not sure if I would like trust you to like tie your own shoes correctly. And yet then he comes up and you're like, hey, what should I do with my life? Because they're your friends. And that happens very naturally. But I'm not sure that that's the wisest way that we ought to make decisions. So here are three sort of like good places to turn to when you're looking to make decisions. Here's number one. First, listen to people who love Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you need to be getting most of your advice from people that believe in Jesus like you. Check out this from Proverbs 12.5. The thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Now I know wicked sounds like a a harsh term unless you're from Boston. Then it's pretty normal. Uh, It's just your word for bad, I think, or cool sometimes. I'm not really sure. Uh, Anyway, wicked may sound like a harsh term if you're talking about people that you know. Uh, it's a term, though, here that are, is talking about people that are not following God. They are wicked. Their goal is not truth and goodness and righteousness. So the only other option is wickedness. He's basically saying, like, the wicked are people who are not following God. And what does he call them here in Proverbs? He calls them deceitful. He says they may sound right, but they will not be. They are tricking you. They might lead you astray. The advice that they give you will be lies. Now, I want you to remember, we said, we said this in the first sermon of this Proverbs series, like these were collected sayings that the kings of Israel were passing down from one another from generation to generation. And they were trying to let the next king know, hey, if you're listening to people, you need to make sure you're listening to the right people because you could be deceived and you're listening to the wicked. Now, it may sound harsh or closed off to call your friends who aren't following Jesus wicked people. I wouldn't do this to their face necessarily. But there is some truth here for us. Like, how are you going to get advice on doing the right thing from someone who doesn't even agree with you on what that is? Like, if they don't have the same idea of right and wrong and the purpose of humanity, like, how are they supposed to give you good counsel? This is one thing among people that we know, but it's even worse on, like, the way that we get like media advice, right? Like we get it from our social media, we get it from TV, whatever it is. And there's something about like a really well-made YouTube video. I'm like more likely to take that advice than somebody I know. Like I know that like sometimes my brain just sort of kicks into this mode like uh, where I'm like, oh yeah, that person seems like they know what they're doing, right? Like uh, that person seems really qualified, so I should probably take their advice on this. And it's astounding how little we actually question that. In fact, it's made to sort of sneak into your brain and under your radar without you even noticing it. But do you think that guy that's on YouTube that's telling you how to like triple your income in three years and retire early, do you think it's possible that that type of a guy may think that money is the pathway to happiness? Is that something you believe? If you're a follower of Jesus, then the answer is no. And yet we're willing to take his advice on how to like make more money. Does that amateur psychologist on Instagram who thinks that if you can find your true self, if you can get to know who you really are, that you'll actually be happy? Like, do they believe the same thing that you believe? That there is a God in charge of this entire universe and that actually getting to know him is the source for true joy? Maybe not. But it's weird how much of their advice that we'll take. I'm not trying to just say throw out all of your friends who are not believers. I'm not trying to even say that you should just abandon social media, though that's probably never bad advice. (laughs) But what I am saying 
is that all of us probably would say, if, if really pressed, like, man, I have friends or even, you know, outside influences that I don't know, that don't follow Jesus, that are giving me advice, and I take their advice. And I think, I worry, that we all, like, praise our own ability to, like, take it with a grain of salt better than we should. Do we really, really, really have the ability to discern all of this? I mean, that's why this proverb exists, to tell you that the, wicked, the advice of the wicked is actually deceitful. There are lots of followers of Jesus that can help you with all kinds of topics. And that's why we ought to turn to them first. Can I just take a few really quick kind of pot shots at like some really like common advice that we hear from people all the time? It's probably seeped into your brain, whether you know it or not. It's probably already like living in there rent free. It's in mine. I know it. I like default to it all the time and then I have to catch myself. First is do what makes you happy. We've all had people tell us that. Is that really all that we're made for? Right? Like, if you grew up watching PBS, you know this is not true. I don't even have to give you, like, the biblical answer for this, right? Do what makes you happy that's only going to lead to you being sad because we can't actually fulfill our lives like that. We can't stay happy forever based on what we find. If you've ever seen, like, that weird, you know, like, guy that just won the Super Bowl or billionaire start processing their life, like, you can't just find your own happiness. It has to come from an external source. And yet, there are millions of ways that we hear this from people all of the time. You got to do you. You got to get out there and find your happiness. I mean, have you seen a car commercial in the past 10 years? Like, that new Jeep Wrangler is the way that you can find your happiness. It's out there just with 5,000 know, easy payments, right? Whatever it is, man, like, it is out there. They are telling you this. They are telling all of us this, and we are telling it to each other. The second piece of advice that you'll hear in millions of different ways is take care of yourself first. We act like the real problem in society is that we're all pushovers and we're too busy thinking of others. Is that really the truth? I think it's weird how, like, we pass that information back and forth to each other, like, man, you got to take care of you. When was the last person that told you advice that was like, you got to suck it up and do the right thing here. It's going to cost you, and it's going to hurt. Not often, right? The self-protection rhetoric is opposed to the self-sacrificing message and life of Jesus. Perhaps some better advice is here from Paul in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This should really call us to question the way that we treat people who have harmed us, who have done wrong. I was really like hung up on this idea. I don't know why. I kept thinking about it. Like, How crazy is it? That Jesus was able to forgive the men who were actively murdering him. Like they were in the act of killing him. And he's looking around and he says, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. And yet the advice that I'm constantly receiving and probably allowing myself and indulging in myself to take because I enjoy it. Is like, man, I got to get these like toxic people out of my life. That person makes me uncomfortable. I need to push away from them. Like I need to cut them out. This person's done me harm. We're so quick to cut people off who have wronged us, to trash them so that we feel superior, to harbor and even justify our bitterness and anger towards them. And it is just not the way of Jesus. We know it, right? When I put it in those terms. 
The last one that I just want to knock down a little bit is be true to yourself. I sort of mentioned it earlier. There is this like common lie in culture that if you can just like get to the bottom of yourself, you'll find this like beautiful butterfly and then you'll have happiness and perfection for the rest of your life. And the truth is that it's just not true. I'm not even really sure what this like be true kind of language means. Like does it mean be faithful to yourself? Like fully represent yourself or like find a truth inside of yourself? Like at the end of the day, we know what's down there. It's a beautiful image-bearing son or daughter of God. And it is wonderful, but it's also covered up with a bunch of dirtiness and and sort of confusing different desires and directions that we want to go. Like, I know my own sinful pride causes me to think certain things about myself that I probably shouldn't believe, right? Being true to yourself is not a path to satisfaction and contentment in this world. Being true to the God of the universe is the only way to find any real purpose and meaning and contentment in this life. So, listen to people who are following Jesus. The next person that you can listen to is your dwell group. That is what they are here for. I am inviting you right now, if you're a part of a dwell group, you can skip right past the questions about the weather, and, you know, we're finally done with the nuggets, so we can finally stop talking about it. I mean, it was wonderful. Like, I am super glad. I was, like, more into it this season than ever before, but, like, now it's time. Let's talk about something real. In fact, uh, some of the things that, like, you know, we, like, dive into in our dwell group, like, sometimes we don't even hit the Bible passage that we're meaning to hit. Because we want to be a group of people who are trying to learn and understand Scripture so that we can apply it to our lives. And if all we do is read a passage and just sort of like move on with our lives, what are we really doing this for? So I'm inviting you right now. I'm giving you permission. The next time you're sitting down with your dwell group, if you've got something on your mind, go ahead and bring it up. If you're saying, hey, guys, I'm considering a move. At the very least, they can pray with you on that and seek the Lord's sort of counsel in that. But at most, they can actually provide you biblical advice on that. You say, hey, I'm thinking about changing jobs. What do you guys think that I'm suited for? What do you think of this as a life path for me? Or you say, hey, guys, I'm thinking about getting a face tattoo. What are your opinions on that, right? Like, whatever it might be for you, like, go ahead, throw it out there. They won't be scared. They know you, right? This is also an advertisement that if you're not in a dwell group, you should be in one. Next, listen to a pastor. I am officially offering what little service I have. I know I've been a little salty today with all of us, and I'm sorry about that, but uh, I'm nicer when we're one-on-one, I promise. Anyway, uh, I can listen really, really well because I'm super curious. It sounds like I'm like praising myself, but I'm really fascinated by your stories. If you've ever sat down one-on-one with me, I hope you've experienced that. I'm offering, if I have any little wisdom, like you can have it. I do not claim to be wise. I definitely don't know everything. It's astounding how many times I've talked with different ones of you and we've sat down, talked about your job. I have absolutely no understanding of what real people do in the real world, but I try and listen really well and help out where I can. Here's all I can promise, all right? I've just given you my anti-credentials, but let me give you some actual credentials. I love you. I do. I love scripture. I love Jesus. I love helping to connect those things in you and in me. It is free counsel. This is what a pastor should be. 
Someone who is able to just be there and to help you to make a wise decision. It is completely free. I won't turn you down. There is no issue that is too small. This is what I want to do with my life. All right. So listen to people who know Jesus. Listen to your dwell group. Listen to a pastor. Listen to wise counsel around you as you're trying to make a decision. The next in our play acronym is assess. Assess. Gather all of the data that you can. Spend this time after pausing, uh, trying to gather any available information that you possibly can. Now, uh, we kind of had some difficulty when we were planning this out as to which of these uh, worked out. So we figured play over pally. But really, you could be doing these two things at the same time. You can be listening and assessing at the same time. But you really need to sit down and ask some good questions. How will this decision affect the people around me? None of us live in a vacuum. All of our decisions affect people, uh, even people that we may not know. How is this going to affect my neighbors? How is this going to affect my friends? How is this going to affect Christians around me? How is this going to affect people around me who don't know Jesus? Maybe ask the question, what temptations would this bring into my life or eliminate from my life? How is this going to change? You ever notice when we're really focused on a decision, like all the other factors in our life don't really make any sense? Like, we're like, oh, man, uh, my grill is kind of busted up. This happened to me a few weeks ago. And I was like, what kind of a new grill do I need? Now, like, a day before that, Josh was like, Josh, you need more money in your bank account. That would be really nice. But Josh, when his grill is broken, really only cares about a better grill, right? Like, that is like, I am myopic on this one thing. And so, really, you need to start asking yourself the question. Here's what happens when we're, like, we're human beings, right? And you get this opportunity, and you're like, man, that's going to make me feel a little bit better about this. I'm going to, like, avoid this scary person over here, and it's going to help me not be tempted to do this anymore if I can move over here. But we very seldom take into account all of the factors. That's why it's so important to pause as a part of this process. You've actually got to make a good assessment. Maybe ask for yourself, what else am I sacrificing? If a decision is calling you to, like, do something that's big with your life and it's not going to cost you anything, it's not going to sacrifice anything, you probably haven't thought out all the factors of that decision yet. Everything is a little bit of a trade-off. But all of that is kind of data gathering because everything really needs to hang on this one singular question. It is, does this decision fit within the purpose of the Lord? Ultimately, we need to assess whether or not this decision is in w within the stated will of God. Or as Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, this is crucial. Truly, truly, truly crucial. In fact, this is like the first and biggest part of St. Ignatius' process of making a decision. And the reason why it is crucial is because we very seldom see a burning bush or like a ram in a thicket. As much as we want life to work that way, very often God is much more subtle in the way that he responds to us, at least in my own personal experience. So we have to ask this question very frequently. Is this my plan or is it within the purpose of the Lord? Is this just my plan or is it within the purpose of the Lord? This is an easy defeater, right? Like, if you know that God has told you something through his word, through his Holy Spirit, whatever that looks like, if you know that he has told you something, and then you're able to put this new decision up against this requirement, this question, that's an easy no, right? Like, no, I should not be doing this. I should put it out of my mind. The good news is that, for the most part, God tells us his plans in his word. He's not leaving you just to figure this out on your own. 
And as you're talking this out with other believers, as you're sitting down and seeking his word and his counsel on this, you are able to some degree to be able to say, like, whether or not this is within the counsel of God, whether or not it fits within his purposes. Very often you might find that one decision, you know, either option in this decision can fit within the purposes of God, and that's okay. You still need to go through this step so that you can actually define and see whether or not it fits outside of those purposes of God. So, what you do is you take this decision, you set it against everything that God has told us, and you ask, does it fit? So, you have paused, you have listened, you have assessed, and you're coming to an understanding of what the decision that you should take actually is. The final step in this decision is to yield, to give the decision ultimately over to the Lord because he is in control anyway. I really like this kind of snarky p- proverb. Uh, it says in Proverbs 16:33, "The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord." Uh, lots back in the days were these like sticks that they would throw down. They would uh, function a lot like dice today. And so basically, the author of Proverbs here is saying like the lot is cast into the lap. Like you can roll the dice on something, but really, its every decision is from the Lord. It may seem like random, but Proverbs reminds us that even things that seem random are actually from the Lord on every single choice that we might make. This brings us to an important point that I think we very often gloss over. I've heard people say, I have God with me. How can I choose wrong? In fact, this is something that is, I think, proposed by most people who are like even they sort of seem the most Christian where they're like, well, you know, I got a fork in the road, but I got God with me, so he's going to, like, you know, make sure that I take the right one. I don't necessarily know if that's true. Now, we have to talk about this. This is a little bit nuanced. This is not clear and easy. This is complex. Complex thoughts require complex answers, right? Complex questions require complex answers. Because ultimately, God is in control, right? The right choice is going to be made by you as it pertains to God's ultimate plan. That proverb I just read confirms that, but also check out Proverb 21.30. It says, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. He is in control, and what's going to happen is going to be the right thing that he chose from the beginning of the world, regardless of what we actually choose. However, I do believe that even though his will is going to be accomplished, we can still choose poorly within it. We can still make the wrong choice. God is going to do what he is going to do and accomplish his purposes. And you can make the right choice and be a part of that. Or you can make the wrong choice and miss out on it or maybe even suffer. Or as Proverbs puts it, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. So check that out. We just read two Proverbs that talked about how God's in control anyway. And yet this proverb tells us that sometimes when man has folly, when man is acting foolish, that it can actually bring his way to ruin. And the result of that is that his heart rages against the Lord. Surely you've been in this situation before, right? Where like a decision or a series of bad decisions lead you to a bad place and then you look up at God and you're like, God, why have you done this to me? It's like, I didn't do that. And the crazy thing is, he's like, I didn't do that. Why are you mad at me? I'll help you fix it, though. That's the crazy kindness and grace of God, right? 
But no matter the bad decision, no matter the place that you've gotten yourself into, no matter like the chain of bad decisions that led you to where you are, even though we have this like huge temptation to just rage against God for bringing us where we are, if we can take that moment and actually admit and confess our own mistakes, he's actually kind and generous and gracious to lead us to where we need to go. You can make the wrong choice and God still use it, which is why this last step is so important. Because if we've done the wise work of actually pausing, of assessing and talking it out and listening, we believe that we've arrived at a conclusion, we need to take a moment at the end of all of this and actually offer it over to God. The final step, you hand it over to God and you see how it fits. You're actually pausing again and asking for his correction and for his guidance. You're saying, God, if this is not in your will, let me know. St. Ignatius says it this way. It's a little bit wordy, but I think it's perfect. He says, after such a choice or decision, the one who has made it must turn with greater diligence to prayer in the presence of God our Lord and offer him his choice that the divine majesty may deign to accept and confirm it if it is for his greater purpose or greater service and praise. I read you that quote because I think it's actually like a beautiful process. I actually get to sit down with God in prayer and say, God, I've walked through this entire decision with you, and now I am inviting you to accept it if you would and confirm that it is for your greater service and for your praise. What you actually get in that process, in that last step of yielding this decision over to God, if you've walked through this process and he actually does affirm it in your life, you get peace. You get confirmation. You get joy. No longer is decision-making this huge and terrible anxiety-ridden process. Now you've actually walked through a wise process seeking the Lord's will for your life. Now you get to turn it over to him and experience the joy and blessing of him confirming that. And the beautiful result of all of this is that then you don't have to creep or tiptoe into this decision. You don't have to sort of sneak timidly into it. You can walk full headlong into the will of God for your life. I hope that you've seen through this entire process that, uh, that making decisions is not something that we should do alone, and I've talked about that with each other, but it's also, I hope you see that God was represented through all of this. That like really, if we ever just sort of like make a decision without even consulting him, we're probably missing the boat. And so for some of you in the room, you might be in a place where you're saying like, man, I have like built this rhythm of making a decision throughout my entire life, and it's going to be really, really difficult to invite God into it. Man, that's why this like step-by-step -step process of play might actually be helpful for your life. But for some of us in the room, you might be in a place where you're like, I'm not sure if God is even real. I'm not sure if I even believe any of this. I'm not sure if this is for me. And if that's you in this room today, man, that is like totally okay. We are glad to have you. We actually have been praying for you, even if we don't know you. Because we want you to know this God that can help you make these decisions. And here's all I want to really leave you with. I don't think you should start following Jesus because he'll help you make better decisions. I don't think that that's necessarily what this is all about. I think the most important decision that you can actually make is the decision to follow him. Not as a goal to be a wiser person or make better decisions, but actually because 
it is the best decision that you can ever make. Recognizing your own sin, recognizing the way that you've been making your own choices, and how sometimes those lead to harm and pain and sadness for yourself, for suffering for others. And seeing Jesus as the only true giver of all grace and hope and peace. If you are at all curious about making that decision, please come up and talk to me afterwards. In just a second, we're going to transition to a time of response. There's going to be people in the back that would love to pray with you and talk to you about that. Because ultimately, he is the source of all goodness in this world. He is the source of all truth in this world. And he is the source of all wisdom in this world. Would you guys pray with me? Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.